0: Today on the Ward Preacher Podcast, why God calls imperfect men to lead his church, why Christ warned that he would not send peace but a sword, and the type of inquiry that leads to true understanding. I'm Brett Jensen, and this is the Ward Preacher Podcast. <laughs> All right, today's reading in the Come Follow Me curriculum takes us to Matthew chapters 10 through 12, Mark 2, Luke 7 and 11. We're focusing um, uh, uh, quite a bit on the 12 apostles being called. Um, The 12 apostles included a group of people that may not have been expected uh, such as Matthew, who was a publican, or Judas Iscariot, whose role would eventually be a betrayer uh, at the end of Jesus' ministry. So, one of the questions I'd like to get to is why 12 apostles? What's significant about that? Um, and I think that uh, there are multiple correct answers to that question. Uh, but one that I would like to focus on is the idea that Jesus was not throwing out all of the old covenants and the law of Moses and uh, and everything upon which his faith was, was founded when he himself founded it, when he appeared to Moses and delivered it, and even before Moses when he covenanted with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Um, the, the connection of what he was bringing to the tribes of Israel is clear. And he made that clear to his apostles. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 28, uh, he tells his apostles, "...that ye which have followed me in the regeneration, when the Son of Man shall sit in the throne of his glory..." He also shall sit upon twelve thrones, judging the twelve tribes of Israel. And here we have it. Twelve thrones obviously corresponds to his twelve apostles. There is a role that they have uh, even after the law has been fulfilled in, uh, when he comes again um, in connection with the tribes of Israel. Uh, This Old Testament connection is fundamental. They weren't throwing out what was old. They were building on it. This was a council of prophets, a traveling council that was meant to fulfill the promise uh, that had been made to Abraham that through his seed, all nations of the earth would be blessed. All of them could receive access to the blessings of the message of Jesus Christ. So, with this important council, why would it include people who seem maybe less reputable? A publican and Judas Iscariot? Um, of course, part of this is because some people who seem bad end up being good. Consider the people of Nineveh to whom Jonah preached, who seemed unredeemable. And yet, After Jonah preached, they repented, sat in sackcloth and ashes, and were spared. Um, A a more profound example is that uh, of the Apostle Paul, who had spent his days persecuting anyone who believed in Jesus. And then when he met Jesus, he changed his perspective to the point he spent the rest of his life convincing people to follow Jesus as an apostle. Um, Of course, if the standard for being a man of God were perfection, there would never have been any prophets. When you think about people like Jonah, who decided, "Eh, you know, God wanted me to go to Nineveh, but I'll jump on this boat to Tarshish, or Moses himself even. He had several times in the first five books where he was called out for inappropriate uh, decisions, whether it was calling attention to himself or whether it was making sure that his children were fulfilling their part in the covenant, um, his uh, circumcision, for example, or, uh, I mean, even questionable decisions in his past, like he's a guy who killed some Egyptian. I mean, he wasn't a murderer, and uh, maybe we'll, uh, in in a few years when we get back to the Old Testament, we'll cover that a little bit more. Um, But still, in his past, he was somebody that had killed somebody. Um, But that's, that's not the standard by which prophets are called. Moses was called of God, and through Moses, God did incredible works. Uh, And uh, of course, the people that came after Joshua and the judges led Israel along the same path that Moses had started them. It was absolutely fundamental to what Jesus was uh, teaching as well. The, The apostles were following in those same footsteps that those early judges had. They were meant to lead his kingdom, to lead his church. Some people who do seem good end up being awful or doing awful things. If you consider King David, a man who was chosen because the Lord looketh on the heart, and then he ends up um, murdering Uriah the Hittite to be with Bathsheba. What a tragedy that was. Uh, Or um, Judas Iscariot somebody who seems like he was you know, caring for the poor, but ultimately he was stealing, um, which we'll probably talk about a little bit more in detail uh, when, when we cover some of the passages in the book of John that describe how Judas was the one who kept the bag. He was in charge of donations to the poor and uh, managing the finances, and he really just cared about himself, and when he was called out on it, he took it out by betraying Jesus to his enemies. Just a terrible tragedy, which which leads to the question, if Jesus knew that this was going to happen, why call Judas to begin with? Of course, Judas was never the one who was forced to make his choice. But Jesus anticipated it and could use his understanding to put himself in the position he needed to be, which was to give his life at the appropriate time. Other people's bad choices are certainly not going to stop Jesus or his kingdom or God in any way. And that is true even of today when leaders of the church may make bad choices. Where some of them may end up being bad people. Uh, you know, some bishop who decides to leave the church or something. Um, th- that's always their choice, and they're not going to stop the kingdom of God through their bad choices. So what was the mission of the Twelve? What was the point? Jesus gives them specific counsel. He says, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans, enter yet not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as ye go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely ye have received, freely give. So, why avoid the Gentiles? when the apostles, soon after Jesus' resurrection, would be going to the Gentiles anyway. Why this instruction? I think that um, it's important to remember that God's timing is not necessarily the same as everybody else's. There was a time when, for example, between Jacob and his twin brother Esau, only one of them would inherit of the covenant, when after that, all twelve of Jacob's sons would inherit in one form or another a, a portion of the covenant that was given to Abraham and Isaac. There was a time when the law said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, or love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But Jesus said, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you." Even on a smaller scale, there's a time when it's appropriate to work. By the sweat of our brow we should earn our bread, yet on the sabbath day we ought to, uh, where possible, avoid that. And in the Old Testament, it was even to the point where that was enforced in how manna fell from heaven. You had to collect extra on the day before the Sabbath, because none would fall on the Sabbath. And if you tried to collect extra any other day, it would go bad. So this this idea that sometimes an act is good, and sometimes it's not appropriate, is fundamental. Ecclesiastes teaches in chapter three that famous uh, idea to everything there is a season and a time for every purpose under the sun. Of course, the ultimate example of that is Jesus Christ himself, who respected the timing of his father by submitting himself to humiliation and execution from his enemies, knowing that Ultimately, he will come, and uh, it will not be as a meek and lowly lamb. He will triumph over all of his enemies, and uh, he will become the king of all the earth. Um, Being able to do the right thing in the right time and in the right way is fundamental to living our faith. it's, uh, it's a difficult thing to accept the timing of God, but, uh, but he has his reasons why some policies exist at certain times. It's, it's probably not even worth speculating. It's more important to understand that God has prophets that lead his church, and we ought to receive them. Which brings us to the next bet, the blessings for receiving the messages of the Apostles. This is what um, Jesus teaches. He that receiveth you receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. He that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward, and he that receiveth a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward. Jesus sends messengers and people are expected to receive them because they bear the message of Jesus Christ. That's not worship. Like, we don't worship Joseph Smith. We receive him as a prophet, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Many Christians, evangelicals, um, who claim that uh, no person should stand in between them and God—it should be a personal relationship with Jesus only—they still find themselves receiving the teachings of Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ as well. Uh, The coming of Christ did not end this pattern. We can see that in the New Testament. God sends prophets and messengers to bring his word and those who receive it receive him now sometimes that's not easy which brings us to the next bit matthew chapter 10 verse 34 jesus says think not that i am come to send peace on earth i come not to send peace but a sword you can contrast that with the with the prince of peace jesus teaching Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God in the Sermon on the Mount." It does seem like a stark contrast. But even today, people accuse the Church of Jesus Christ of breaking up families, whether that's a call to serve a mission in some distant land, or just general other callings or meetings or assignments That might seem to rob us of family time. Some people will accuse the church of intolerance towards certain groups breaking up families. For example, the stance on marriage being between a man and a woman, being intolerant of groups of people who don't want that type of relationship. Of course, Jesus does bring peace, but it might not be the peace that everyone expects this is what he himself taught. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Peace as the world gives, if we look at that passage in John 14, 27, peace as the world gives requires good circumstances free from war, freedom from poverty or disease, and having associations that we want uh, with family. Peace from Christ must be independent of circumstances, particularly when you look at who he was giving that to. His apostles, which, except for John the Divine, were all brutally murdered. Um, His believers, after, frequently persecuted. Jesus himself endured betrayal, torment, and death. A person who is born again as a disciple of Jesus Christ must be willing to cast aside other identities, things that they were born with before, in favor of uh, their identity as a disciple of Christ. Now, many times that doesn't require a choice. There's no dilemma Uh, Most of the time, a father is not required to abandon his family uh, to seek Christ. They can probably find Christ in selflessly serving their family. Um, But occasionally there are situations where a person may be put in a choice where they have to choose between spouse or God. And in that circumstance, a person should choose God. Think of the tragedy in the Old Testament with King Ahab uh, uh, and his his wife, his Phoenician princess wife Jezebel. Uh, Maybe he thought, perhaps he thought, that God wouldn't want him to ignore the wishes of his wife. But God did want that. His wife was a terrible person, and he should have chosen to follow God. Jesus puts it very clearly so that it cannot be mistaken when he teaches in verse 37 of Matthew 10, he that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Um, There is a, a kind of peace and happiness that can be found even when circumstances are difficult. A person should be confident that uh, in, in the end, Jesus will make everything right. There will be no more death or disease or sickness or trial. We will be with those that we love, never to part. Finding that peace, understanding it in context, is not always easy. Um, but it's not supposed to be. It's supposed to be difficult. Um, Even the way that you approach gaining knowledge uh, is not always the same. Now, Jesus, of course, was not opposed to studying. He frequently quotes uh, the scriptures and gives examples uh, of people who lived in Old Testament times uh, in his teachings. But he prays this. This is in Matthew chapter 11, verse 25. I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, Because thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent, and hast revealed them unto babes. Uh, This is totally different than how the Pharisees um, gained their knowledge. They were these wise and prudent that didn't get it. And when they tried to ask questions to critically think, it wasn't motivated to gain understanding, it was to destroy. And Jesus called them out on that. He says, Woe unto you, lawyers, for ye have taken away the key of knowledge. Ye entered not in yourselves, and them that were entering in ye hindered. And as he said these things, the scribes and Pharisees began to urge him vehemently, and to provoke him to speak of many things, laying in wait for him, and seeking to catch him something out seeking to catch something out of his mouth that they might accuse him. That's in Luke 11. They were not seeking the truth. They were seeking their own own standing, their own position. Um, The type of seeking that comes from a person who believes that they're entitled is different uh, than the type of seeking that a person who is desiring mercy and understanding, will have. Uh, And in the end, all things will become clear. The veil will be gone, and everyone will understand everything perfectly. And the sheep, those who were blindly obedient, they will be saved. They will have acquired humility and faith and obedience— And uh, in the end, they will have understanding. The obstinate, the goats, they will be cast out. Well, maybe they can console themselves. They'll have critical thinking skills, cynicism, and defiance. Um, But at least they weren't blindly obedient, right? I think the idea that we have to hold on to is that Jesus leads his church as he always has, with prophets and apostles. And while it is not always easy, real peace can come from receiving him and his servants. Humble seekers are welcome in his kingdom. Obstinate inquisitors, less so. Let's, as we study, try and be humble seekers. Try and seek God, his Christ, his prophets and apostles. Thank you, everyone, for supporting the Word Preacher podcast. Um, Next week, we will be looking at Matthew chapter 13, Luke 8 and 13, which will give us parables in general, and specifically the parable of the sower. Uh, Please continue studying on your own, and until next time, fight on!